We say no previous church experience required. Do you know what I mean? It's just, just come. And I love that. Because that's like, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. That's brilliant. Planting or repurposing requires a continual development of your model. I think you've got to, we're really young in this. We're really new. So we're developing and trying learning all the time. And it's not easy. It will take time. He give you the challenges. And they're all C's. Culture. You realize when you do this what the culture of your church is. And some of our culture is good and some ain't that good. So when it comes to evangelism, sharing your faith, leadership development, discipleship, serving, invitational culture, you will see what your culture is like. I wish, if I had my time again, I did and understood more about culture like 10 years ago than I do now. Because I think, so culture is a challenge. Communication is a challenge. One church in three locations, that's a challenge. Complexity is a challenge. You know, we've got a young guy who's just come on team. He's here, Dan. He's in the Younger Leaders track. He's 23. He's a brilliant worship leader. And he leads at New Wine and, and, and Spring. He's brilliant. And I've just, because I'm a worship leader by background, just handed over everything to him in the last couple of months. And he's like, ah! You know, because it's complex. You know, it's really complex. And some of that, you need people who are really IT literate and are really good at systems and logistics. And that undergirds what you're doing with people. It's really good. And then the fourth challenge is community. So we planted, intentionally, planted a service in Hagley. Okay? I know other people say, no, no, we need to plant a community. I get that. We planted a service, um, and, but then we want to build community. So in the last year, we started five life groups in Hagley, which is great. And a lot of new people are connecting to the small group, even before they're connecting to the service on a Sunday. So, so that's kind of been uh, how we are now. Um, we, we, we're, still, we're still, like we've got some people who are in a hail zone in life group, but are serving and attending Hagley. And serving and handing route. And at the moment, we're like, just do it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, we're in the early stages. Let's set it up. Let's see what God does. Eventually, we would like, I think, life groups to be around that location. Because we want to build community in a community to reach a community. Sounds good. We want to build community in a community to reach a community. I'm saying it twice there. And, and, um, and, and so that's where we want to go. But I think if you're going to do it, give, my advice would be give some movement. Give people a bite. So we said, hey, commit to six months. If at the end of the six months, you don't do it, then you've helped us launch, come back. And some people have come back and some people have said, I love this. I want to stay. And so we did it. So we sent 30 people for Hagley and 20 people for Hal Owen. So 50 people went out of a Sunday morning the great thing is we probably more people in Hal Zoe now than before we went because new people are coming and new people are stepping up. And, and, and our tech team the other week, I was, I, was, I was in tears. Our tech team the other week was led by an 18-year-old who was the oldest in the tech team. So the camera operators, because the, the, we, we have about four people, five people in the tech team, the oldest one was 18. The others were younger than that. I thought, oh, come on. Because when you do that, you've got to develop more people. And actually, it forces you to say, have you got a skill? Have you got a pulse? Can you help us? Do you know what I mean? And that's what it is. Great. I'm done. Any, any questions? I feel like I'm speaking really fast. Any, anybody have any questions? Yes. All, all volunteers. The only person we pay is, a, is the location pastor, and we pay her part-time. Um, and we really, to be honest, pay her a day a week. I mean, she's in a situation where she gives more time than that. She doesn't have to work financially. So that's a blessing for us. Um, but that's the only person. So then the centralized staff that we pay, 
they're part of that. One of the big things, I would say, our intern program has been huge for that. So we've got five young people on our intern program. It's going to be more next year. We're talking with some of the other Elim guys around our area about how we could collaborate on that. So maybe if a church has got one and someone else got two, how could we collaborate? That has been brilliant because they, as part of their development and their program, they've been rotated on to do the tech or to do worship or, or, or to lead youth and kids. So that's been massive. Great. Any other questions? Steve? Oh, yeah. 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 So two weeks ago, I had the great privilege of being at North Point Church in Atlanta. And, um, and, and I went to look at the multi-site. And so I went to one of their campuses. So I'm thinking, let's go to something like Hagley. So I went to this campus, 5,000 people on a Sunday morning. It's Disneyland. Do you know what I mean? Now they do that. But when the screen comes down and Andy Stanley comes up, he's exactly the right height on the screen, as he would be if he's there in the flesh. The tech of it is so phenomenal that I'm like, he's here? No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he is here. He is here. No, he's not. And it's that, do you know what I mean? And I think because it's so good the way they do it and it's so expensive, uh, at the moment we're not, you know, because I don't know, I think we've got the budget to do it really well. So that's where we are at the moment, but we might change. So I think we just, we just open. And I know other people that do that in an English context, but often when I've seen it, the text. And if the text's not that great, it doesn't feel like a great experience to me. So, great. Any others? Yeah, we do. It's very small, so it's very hard to build community, but we do. We, we have um, exactly what we have in our zone. We have uh, at both the other places, but it's really small. So sometimes there might be a handful of kids. You know, and it's, it is about trying to trying to build that and grow that. The, the issue we had Monday before we came uh, with our youth pastor and children's pastor, how will we develop this future? And at the, the, moment, the problem with youth is that because they're of an age where they're looking for... So at the moment, we're running our older youth central. Both of our other locations are quite close. They're coming in. But then on a Sunday morning, we're running children's work on the younger youth, so 11 to 14, in the location. But it's really small. So it's, it's hard to build a community, really. But you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You've got to start. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a friend of mine, he's not in an Elim church, but they planted in a place called Gornal. Now, you've probably never heard of Gornal. There's an upper and a lower Gornal, and it's not part of the body. It is, it, it is an absolute place, okay? But he's planted a church in Gaul, and, and he said, when we get to 100, I'm planting again. Do you know what I mean? Now, for me, I'm like, ooh, you know, but, but so, so I don't think there is a definitive answer. I, I think you've got, I, I think most pastors, we think we're not strong enough. And I think that's wrong. And I was like that. Because most pastors want a full building. That's what, whereas actually most people don't. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think, I think we, we, we want to fill it up with hundreds of people and then we might be strong enough to release a few. I, th- I think we should go, personally speaking, I think we should go less. Do you know what I mean? But, but you've got to know the right timing for your people. And for us, it was the test. It was, we, we said we want 30 people as a launch team. We felt that was the minimum. You know? And we did a little bit of research on that. Some churches say 50, some say 20. We went with 30, which is on the low end. Because if your work serves every other week, we looked at where we needed serving you know, on just to put a service on with kids' work and youth work, and, and, and that's how we kind of mapped it out. So it gave us a number, and we said, that's a bit of a tester. If we don't get 30 people, 
We won't go with it. That was what we did. Anybody else? Great. Thank you very much. Wow. Well, you're earning day, Leon, aren't you? Thanks for that. Fantastic. Just been great to watch what's been going on there um, uh, in Life Central and in the black country. Come on. Come on. Fantastic. So, um, so uh, in Elim speak, what Leon's describing to us, we call a branch way of planting. You know, it's multi-site is the technical term out there. Um, so, but for our, our language, we'd to say, well, there are branches, and it's one church, three locations, but they've got branches. Do you see what I mean? And uh, that's how we would uh, talk about it. Um, so, uh, Lee is going to come talk to you about pioneer, what we call in Elim pioneer church planting, where uh, you just go out on a limb, really, which is what they did. And um, so, this approach, uh, listen very carefully. Some of this, uh, some of the things Lee says may be quite different to anything you, you might have thought of before. But like I say, release your missional imagination. You've listened to Leon and thought, well, we could never do that. Wise. But what could you do? What could you do, even where you are right now? And when you listen to Lee and Fee's story, uh, you may have the same sort of thoughts again. So can we welcome Lee? I think so. Afternoon all. That's great. So, uh, yeah, I guess my session is a little bit more practical. Um, back in 2009, God gave us a vision uh, to plant a community in Buzzard. Now, we were at that point living in Leighton Buzzard. It was our hometown. But we then went on a journey. And three years ago, we returned back to Leighton Buzzard with the small vision of wanting to see 10 people in Leighton Buzzard worship in spirit and in truth. Why are you laughing, Gary? <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, some say crazy, but the, the community that we've planted is called Spirit and Truth for, for the very reason that it says in John 4, 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come uh, when the true worshippers will worship the spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father is looking for, or seek, sorry. So there we were, picture the scene three years ago. We were landed, me, the team, with my wife, my two sons, and that was us, a blank canvas. We were full of enthusiasm. We had a Bible under one arm. We had building a discipleship culture under the other arm, a classic, something onto. We've had the, the few years of experience that we've had that had gone before that was equipping us. We had the resources of heaven behind us, so we knew that we were going to be all right. And it was one of those moments where we landed, and, and as we were, you know, if you have a theme tune to go with the season, it was Eye of the Tiger. We were ready to go. We were ready to go for it. So we were ready to hit the, the floor running, take Leighton Buzzard by storm in the name of Jesus. However, it didn't take long for the naked truth to come true because we realized that it was going to be a marathon and not a sprint. So we had a blank canvas and plenty of opportunities. What did we do? Well, I'm going to share a little bit of how we approached it, um, what took place, uh, planting from scratch. Uh, so please know that I'm not an expert, I'm not an academic, but I'm just someone who's given it a go. I felt in a call God and just wanted to follow that call and follow his 
commission. And hopefully some of what I share might be some help and encouragement to you. Ultimately, we just want to see God's kingdom come in greater measure in Leighton Buzzard of our town. So as we started the adventure, we took much input from many others. Uh, like Liam was saying, we, we read lots, we spoke to people. Uh, we were fortunate to have some uh, great time that were leading us as well. So we learned some things that we wanted to put in place as we landed. And the first one was this. We landed with a clear purpose. And that was really important for us. But it was very simple. The purpose was our commission was the Great Commission. That's as simple as all it was. We were going to Leighton Buzzard, back to Leighton Buzzard, to make disciples. Our mandate which the de-churched. And you know, what we didn't realize was that was a great get-out-of-jail-free card for us when we started attracting church hoppers as well. Because we said, look, we are for the lost. We are for the de-church. We just don't want numbers. We want to make disciples. So our God-given heart was to see people encounter God. It was to see their lives transformed. It was to see people go deeper in their relationship with, build community with each other, with other believers, and then also to reach the lost. Now, we picked up much of this DNA for the three prior to that when we were up in King's Church in Warrington. Can I have a little shout, King's Church? Yay, come on. That's brilliant. And while we were there, we really learned what it meant to be a family on mission. And Jackie uh, Johnson's leadership, we were seeing disciples that were making disciples. And it was just something that we hadn't experienced before. Previously, we'd always been focused on what was going on within the four walls of the building. And great to see disciples going to make disciples. So we knew that as we pioneered, God was calling us to build community with discipleship at the heart of it. As Mike Breen highlights, if you make disciples, you always get If you make church, you rarely get disciples. So secondly, we wanted to understand as we went to Leighton Buzzard, we wanted to understand where the Holy Spirit was moving. And Edwards, great revivalist, said the task of every generation is to discover um, the church of every den- the, sorry, the task of every generation is to discover in which direction the sovereign move, the sovereign redeemer is moving, then move in that direction. And we wanted to know what was on God's heart for Leighton Buzzard. We wanted to know where he wanted us to be. So six months before we went, we went back once a month for a weekend to prayer walk round the town and where God wanted us to be and what he wanted to reveal for us. And that was a really useful time because he gave us a geographical location. So when we hit the ground, we knew where we were meant to live. We went into that community. We were meant to meet in terms of a public space as well and where we were going to reach out uh, with our missional activity. So the third thing was as well that We wanted to get to grips with the culture. If anyone goes abroad as a missionary, they're sent and told just to immerse themselves in the culture for a little while. 
Now, for us, we needed to do that when we got back into Leighton Buzzard because the landscape had changed and also our perspectives had changed. What we encountered when we were in Leighton Buzzard, it was a commuter town. Leighton Buzzard is 40,000 people. But during the day, it's quite empty because everyone's venturing into London. So there was two things that were really highlighted. Time is precious. You build community with that struggle. And then secondly, as well, it really was a case of a man's home was his castle. And so we wanted to organically kind of things, build relationships. But when we started gathering people and after we'd started meeting publicly, it wasn't until we said, we'd invited loads of people over and I didn't think me and Fee were that scary, but people didn't want to come over which just like was so bizarre, until we said one day, right, we're going to try this. We just felt a little nudge from God to invite people for a welcome meal at our house, to find out a little bit more about the vision of the church, to find out about the leadership. And do you know what? People came. And people came that were just coming to the church to belong as well. So they hadn't even made a commitment to follow Jesus, but it got them over that threshold and into our that we then could build on in terms of relationship. So the fourth thing that we did as we landed was we wanted to discover the needs of the community. So eyes and ears in terms of observance. Um, we were just, I was just asking people in conversation, what are the needs of the community? We, were, we ended up knocking on doors as well, just asking simple questions. Do you love Lindsay? What are we in need for? The thing is, it was, it's a commuter town. It's quite self-sufficient. Yet we did find out there's provision for, there wasn't much provision for kids and there wasn't much provision for youth. So we've got some great dreams for youth which yet haven't been realised. But we did start our mums and tots group. Again, not brown graking, but it served the needs and reached out into the community. And it is a slow burn activity but it's a relation building activity it's community activity and what was great earliest the year we've seen the first person now that's come through toddlers who's actually made a decision to follow Jesus come on which is brilliant okay so the fourth point was as we need, we recognize the need to build community and of course what better way to do this than round food come on did you know I was thin when, when we started a couple of years ago. Seriously. So when we started meeting together, the first 12 weeks over that summer, we just met on a Sunday, and the first week there was five of us. We met round our dinner table. We had a fry-up together. We opened the Bible together. We prayed. Over that 12 weeks, uh, some D-Church people came and joined us, uh, which was uh, really good. Started building uh, some, some DNA and vision sharing as part of that. And then after the summer, we started meeting. And again, that's where we had a few more D-Church people. But we also had people like our neighbours who didn't yet believe in Jesus come along. And last November, our neighbour gave her life to Jesus and she got baptised come on which is just awesome so we moved on from there but we now still encourage our small groups that we call connect groups to eat together regularly we start our Sunday celebrations 20 minutes a really informal time with bacon rolls Danish pastries come on good coffee (laughs) 
And, and that's what we start with. And people in for the first time, and regularly we're getting new people coming in and saying, I really sense the, the feel of community. And it's just great that that's really built up uh, so far. So that's been a real encouragement. Um, so I guess the things that we put in place as we started from scratch. Now I just want to highlight some lessons from the journey uh, that we've come across. Now, generally when you hear about church plants, you'll hear all the good stuff. And I've included some of the good stuff so far. But at the same time, along the way, we've made mistakes. We've learned from our mistakes. And there's one or two things that I just want to share uh, from that. As I mentioned, uh, we wanted to see growth through the site. We also recognized the need to build team. Um, so we wanted to see movement in the town, God working. So actually, the more involved, uh, the merrier. So after six months, we, we were meeting on a regular basis publicly at about 30 of us. We started a couple of connect groups. The aim for that con- those connect groups was to fit people to go deeper in their relationship with God, deeper in their relationship with others, and each one had a missional vision as that we were looking to build from within. So it had that outward focus. Now here was the issue though. The reality of this was people came infrequently, even though they were very enthusiastic to start. And nine months later, we would literally see people maybe once or twice a month. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle to disciple people when we're seeing them that infrequently. And of course, remember, we're living in a busy town, a busy... And we were just thinking, we've got all this DNA that we want to share, all this culture that we want to embed, and it's just not happening. So we were really struggling. So we were crying out to God, what do you want us to do about this? And then it was uh, November, and we'd just gone past our first year. And uh, there was the REACH conference, Church Planters Conference that we went to. And Matt and Sally Timms, most of you will probably know them, shared their story. And they said about how they gathered people as a DNA group. And they spent time just investing in them. And for us, that just really resonated. So as we went back, after a short period of time, we prayerfully closed those connect groups. We stopped um, running them. But what we did was invite 10 people into a group that we asked to commit to meet on a Monday night together and then also to commit coming on a Sunday regularly. And so 8 out of 10 decided that they wanted to be a part of that, and they did. And then during that year long that we were meeting on Monday nights, we spent some time going through this book, Building a Disciple Culture, Mike Breen. We took a chapter a month and we unpacked it. We looked at it. We looked at... Um, what it meant for our lives. We started building some accountable conversations around it, put into practice what was taking place. Now, I just wonder, is anyone here thinking about church planting? Have any of you not come across this book? Does anyone want it? Yeah, come man at the back uh, with his hand up first. So I'll give it to you. That's great. Because this is just so helpful. So we met together. We um, ate together. Some nights we worshipped and prayed together. We went deeper together in relationship. Five minutes. Great. Um, so seeking to make disciples and um, build team as well. And that started doing it. And out of that group, we've now got some three connect groups 
uh, running uh, that are operating through that DNA and we're regularly meeting them every six weeks, just continuing that relationship. But of course, doing life together, because that's the important thing out of it. It's about doing life together. It isn't about a midweek group. It isn't about a Sunday. It's about journeying together through life as disciples and working out what it means to follow Jesus together. Now, out of our connect groups as well, missional vision followed. So we've got toddlers and families from one. Uh, Trekkings is another where everyone gathers together and goes on, on walks. And, of course, that's near for people. There's Alpha as well. And we're just running Alpha. And what's brilliant is people, we had 20 at this Alpha, and people from our connect group have each brought someone. And that's been brilliant. And not only that, we've had people from the Connect group doing the food. We've had people that are on the ground as part of the Connect group praying elsewhere as well. So it's all involved. It's family on mission together. Uh, so there's a couple other things that I want, wanted to mention. Leading by example, I think it does what it says on the tin. Sustainable rhythms as well. We have to guard our hearts. As leaders, we need to manage our time well, and I'm still learning, my wife's looking at me, I'm still learning on this one, <laughs> big style, uh, but it hasn't quite got to the point, if anyone's Red Bulls um, simplify, where his family actually sent him away for the week because he was so irritable and narky, um, it hasn't quite got to that point, um, but anyway, I, I move on as well, it's important that we thank God, have, and pray for what we don't have. A leader called Paul McConaughey once shared that, and that's just really stuck with us, because you know what? I like to win sometimes, and uh, it's important for me to refix my eyes on Jesus again and thank him for all he's got and for, for each one of us. Um, so I just want to finally say, as well as part of this, um, the importance, it, there is such an importance uh, when it comes to impact uh, from others and journeying with other leaders. And I just want to say, we've had the real privilege of uh, having mentors um, and being discipled by Darren and Jackie. We've been having um, uh, Skype calls with every couple of weeks, and that's just been such an encouragement to us because you know what? It can be a lonely place, church planting. And I just recommend that if you are church planting with anyone, make sure you get into accountable relationships where you can uh, be encouraged, where you can learn from others and take part in that. Um, so very quickly, as I uh, close off, where are we now? What's the vision for ahead? Well, it was great to hear, Leon, because we have a vision to plant in uh, five different locations. Uh, I do see our life work in the area, and that's really important. But what does Spirit and Truth look like at the moment? I haven't shared that, have I? So currently, we're meeting around on Sunday about 60 to 70. Since we started, we've seen... Uh, five people make decisions to follow Jesus, which has just been so encouraging. And just to say, me and Fee are not evangelists, okay? I used to be an accountant. I am systematic. If I can do it, anyone can do it, okay? You probably will have noticed some of the things that I'm doing. If you pick up any book, it's in a book, okay? Uh, so we, we've just uh, kind of taken that on board so I just want to ask thing if that's all right and it's about one lad and I guess just reaching lives and I just want to encourage you with this one Sunday and it was on a Sunday morning we have people that connect during the week but it was on a Sunday morning a lad came in a 15 year old lad and weeks previous with his family his family weren't with him he came by himself and it was a Pentecost Sunday and at the end uh, we prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit that morning. He gave his life to Jesus that morning, and that was so exciting. But here's the backstory. That lad had been taking quite a lot of drugs. He was quite a mess. He was from a good family, actually. They didn't know that he was in. He had had some bad experiences. That morning, he came to church by himself, only having come once before. It was going to be his final act. He shared that afterwards. So he turned up on the Sunday morning and said, God, you've got to make yourself real to me. Or I'm going to make this my final act. And God broke in. Come on. And isn't that why new churches reaching new communities? Amen.